this morning? Any, anyone like the royal family? Is it just me? Okay, it's just me. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but I am still reeling from that wedding. I know there's lots of you guys that like the royal family and watch that wedding. Uh, but I am still reeling from that wedding. And I am a huge royal family fan from way back. So I used to have a scrapbook, and I used to keep a scrapbook of Princess Diana. And I used to cut out all her pictures of all her fashionable outfits. And I used to put them on. And honestly, uh, these days they call it Pinterest. Right? And he's got Pinterest accounts. Come on, 11 o'clock. I need some help here. I know you guys are Pinterest fans. So anyway, scrapbooking is back in the, back in the heyday. Um, but I was one of those people that stayed up and watched all the fanfare. I made my day so I could make sure I had the front seat in front of the TV, watching uh, Meghan Markle and Princess, and Prin- Princess Harry, Prince Harry. <laughs> and there were so many parts of the day that was huge. Her dress was huge. It cost a lot too. The crowds were huge. The international media fear was massive. But what about that preacher, Reverend Michael Curry, and his message, his unforgettable sermon on God's love? Like that was next level stuff. If you didn't manage to catch the royal wedding, his message was on about God's redemptive love for the world. That God is love and that we're called to love God and to love other people. And he preached it with fire and he preached it with passion. And so the wedding came and went and um, it was amazing. But there were two things that stood out for me. One, that on a world stage, God's love for humanity was shouted from the rooftops. They said that 2.2 billion people tuned in to watch that, that event. And as a result, almost a third of the world's population heard about God's love for them. And the second thing that turned out, the second thing that, that stood out for me was that it sparked so many conversations. People were talking about the royal wedding, about this, about Reverend Curry's message, whether they agreed, whether they didn't agree. Everything, every news channel or social media was talking about this wedding. See, here's the thing that we need to remember, is when the good news goes to where it needs to go, People can't help but be stirred. People can't help but be provoked. People can't help but be challenged about the state of their lives. There has to be more to life than this, God. There has to be more than life than being born, getting education, getting a boyfriend, finding a girlfriend, getting a career, finding another boyfriend, having another girlfriend. There has to be more than life than growing up getting married, having some kids, growing old, and then dying. There has to be more, God. And God's master plan is that the gospel, the good news, wasn't meant to be contained within the walls, but it was meant to go into every society. It was meant to go into every culture and every part of our community, breaking through social status, breaking through, breaking Facebook, reaching those that are in desperate need, for the gospel, just like the people at the royal wedding. And to be honest with you, there were parts of the reverend's message I felt confronted by. And I was um, lovingly and challenging, challengingly, uh, but the, yet the message applied to my life and it got conversations stirring within. Church, the reality is every day, thousands of people are facing eternity without Christ. 
rich, the poor, the powerful, the elite, the famous, the glamorous, the everyday person, the next door neighbor, your parents, our moms and dads, our brothers and sisters, our best friends. Hebrews 9.27, it says, it's appointed once, it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. Put simply, hell is a reality. People don't need Jesus at the end of their life. When they're almost about to face eternity. We all know people who are broken, who are hurt, who are down and out now. They need Jesus now. People need Jesus now. Why wait till the end of our lives or why wait till eternity to experience how good God is, to experience his fullness, to experience his faithfulness? God's called us to have life and life with abundance. So the burning question I ask myself, because I am preaching to myself this morning, is what am I doing to get the gospel outside these walls? As a follower and a believer of Christ, how do those people in my world, how do they know that Jesus is real and alive? And I love that God doesn't just tell us, hey, go take the gospel outside the four walls. I love that God shows us and he demonstrated it in the Bible. So the title of my message this morning is Making Conversation. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are here with us, Lord. And I thank you that you are speaking to us, God. And I pray, Lord, that this morning as followers and as believers of Christ, that we're not just hearers, we don't just come and do Sunday, God, but we wanna hear your voice and do something and be moved by it, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak throughout this entire message in Jesus' name, amen. But church, I believe that um, we're in an incredible season um, of God's favor and of his blessing, and God is speaking to us both corporately and personally. Um, and I love seeing God move in our conferences in New Zealand and beyond. I am still trying to unpack what some of those messages were. And um, if there was ever a message that came through strong at our conference was how to be the church outside the four walls. And how could it not be the message? How could it not be the message? It is the heartbeat of God to see people know Jesus. And if we are to be followers of Christ and our goal is to become more like him, then our heart needs to be for the lost. I don't know what your heart is feeling like today. So I just come to church. I really believe that this word this morning is that God wants to stir a fresh love to reach lost people. So this morning, I wanna look at the passage found in John 4. If you can come, it's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, and it's a little bit of a reading, but stay with us. It's gonna be on the screens. And the background is, is that Jesus was leaving Judea and he was on his way to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. And so we pick up from verse five and it says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman said, if you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan, how can you ask me for a drink of water? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
Verse 11, sir the, woman, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and your well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands and the man that you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Going to 20, verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged, Rabbi, eat something. And he said to them, I have no food to eat. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will, who, the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. So, you know, many times when we read the Bible, we, we read it on, on a surface level until we really begin to dig deep and begin to see what God wants to show us and reveal to us. And this story really is about the power of a simple act of making conversation and how a simple conversation with someone beyond these walls can bring change to their life forever. So we're gonna look at the story and how Jesus took the gospel outside the four walls and he does it in four ways. And I, to help us remember, I, they all start with the letter C. I feel like a school teacher. So number one, firstly, Jesus was on a mission, and his mission was to seek and save the lost. Jesus was commissioned to go to reach lost people. So the word commission means instruction. It means a command. It's an authority given to somebody to do a task or a role. See, God commissioned Jesus to reach lost people. John 4.34, my food is to do the will of the Father and the one who sent me and to complete his work. What fuels Jesus is that he was commissioned to go. And the salvation in Luke 15, 10, it says, when one person gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. Jesus was called to go after the one. Jesus was called to reach the lost. The lost and Jesus commissions us to go after the great commission. In Matthew 28, 19, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, our faith is not for our lives here and now, although that is good. Our faith is that Jesus has commissioned us to reach the lost. That is his heartbeat. The late Billy Graham, the great evangelist, he was a man that was commissioned to reach the lost, and he did. He reached millions of people with the gospel, but the same commission sits with you and I. I love the fact that God trusts us with fulfilling his heartbeat. So firstly, Jesus was commissioned. Secondly, Jesus shows compassion. 
Compassion is not just a feeling or a con- being concerned about somebody. Compassion is actually being moved to do something about it. When you are compassionate towards someone or you're compassionate towards a cause, you are moved to do something about it. Have you, does your heart break when you hear about um, child poverty or you see homelessness? Does your heart break when you hear stories about New Zealand having the highest suicide rates in, our, in the world? Is your heart moved with compassion when you see or you hear stories about kids in our local schools turning up with no food or no lunches or no shoes? See, compassion moves us to do something about it, not just feel sorry for them. And you know what? While we're compassionate, uh, compassion moves us to do something, so we pray, so we give, so we, um, so we raise awareness God was moved with compassion towards us. He saw the sin in our life. God sees the sin in your life, and he sends his son, Jesus, to be the answer that this world is looking for. Compassion leads Jesus to places where he was, where the hurt and the broken are. Jesus wasn't sitting inside the church waiting for lost people to come in. His compassion and his love for the lost and broken means he went out. You know what I love that Jesus loved, Jesus knew that the woman, of the, the woman at the well was a social outcast. Nobody draws well, nobody draws water from that well at the hottest time of the day. It's always done in the, when it's in the cooler of the day. And so this woman, Samaritan woman's like, man, I'm just going to go to the well because um, nobody's going to know me, nobody's going to see me, everybody knows my past, the village knows who I am. And yet Jesus and his compassion and his mercy is sitting at the well. And when he sees the woman, he doesn't see her and go, oh, I'm out. Here comes a Samaritan. I'm a Jew. I'm going to go. Jesus Jesus doesn't, doesn't stand up and go, oh, I'll go sit on the other side of the well and pretend not to see you. No, Jesus waited as she came and she sat down. His compassion and his love towards her. Psalms 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow in anger and abounding in love. Church, how is your compassion towards other people this morning? Are you moved? Are you compassionate towards the needs of those around you? When we pray for those opportunities, when we pray for lost people, God will give us opportunities to be his hands and his feet. If there's one thing that um, this generation is looking for, they're looking for a cause to die for. They're looking for a cause to die for. And um, our Christmas in the car park, um, we decided that we wanted to bless our community and find out were there families in our community that needed extra extra food at Christmas time, especially because it's hard on finances. Um, and so we, we waited. And as the community came in on Christmas in the car park, we asked, hey, how many, how, how many would, you like a, would you like extra help at Christmas? And we found over 50 families said we need help at Christmas time. So just before Christmas Day, our young people got these parcels together, and we went and delivered. And as we delivered them, we had conversations with these people in the community, and their hearts began to open to the gospel. Why? Because of commission, because of compassion towards them, because of kindness. And we found out later that we've had some families come through to church 
because of compassion and kindness and because they found hope. When compassion is in our hearts, church, our eyes are open to the needs of those around us and we move towards them. So first, Jesus is commissioned. Second, he shows compassion. Thirdly, Jesus makes conversation. And I love that compassion and kindness are great icebreakers for conversation. Because Jesus, because the Samaritan woman was at the uh, receiving end of God's love and kindness, when he makes conversation with her, the Samaritan woman engages. And Jesus begins asking a question, will you give me a drink of water? Now think about it. He didn't ask, can I have a drink of water? The question was, will you give me a drink of water? And I believe it wasn't about her ability to give water, but a question of her heart and her will. Friends, Jesus shows, uh, Jesus shows us that when we have conversations with people who don't know him, it's important to ask the right questions. In our conversations with unsaved people, it's important to ask the right questions. And I know this too well because I have found myself in many awkward conversations because I asked the wrong questions. Is there anyone else that knows what I'm talking about? Thank you, Lissa. That's the one that's at the front. Have you ever been in a conversation where somebody, where you go to say hi to somebody and you don't say hi, but you say fine, so they say hi and you say fine, and they hadn't even asked you a question? Anyone yet? That all the time. I'm just like, hey, fine, and they're like, and then you're trying to spend the whole, the rest of the conversation trying to recover from that, yeah? Or have you been in a conversation where there's just one person talking on and on and on and on and on and on, a little bit like this, on and on, yeah? Have you found, stay engaged, family, stay engaged with me. Well, I found myself in an awkward conversation not long ago, and uh, I was with some friends, and in walks this guy, and he turned around and he looked, and he smiled, and, and me being me, oh, I must know this guy. So I was just like, oh, got up, hug, I said, hey, bro, how's it going? And in my head, I thought, oh, he looks familiar to me, and because he's, he smiled, I must know him from somewhere. So I don't have the greatest memory, uh, and my youth will know. Uh, and so I just said, so my go-to question is, so, you know, what have you been up to these days? And he was just like, oh, you know, and we were at Laidlaw College at that time, so I thought he was, a, I said, oh, I didn't know you studied at Laidlaw. And he goes, oh, yeah, I just started studying. And then I was like, oh, that's strange. In my head, I'm having another conversation. And then, and then I asked about his family and then his friends and how's mum and dad. And then I realized, I don't know this guy. <laughs> I have no clue who he is in my head. Had I just asked him, hey, bro, what's your name again? I forgot your name. Had I asked the right questions, I wouldn't have been left standing there having an awkward conversation with somebody for a full five minutes. And me trying to be me, I didn't want to back out. I just pretended like I knew what I was doing. She said, it's so good to see. Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go. And I sat down. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just had an awkward conversation. Ask the right questions. When you make conversations with people who don't know Jesus, it's important to ask the right questions. So Jesus shows us to make conversation by asking the right questions. He also says, ask relevant questions. Ask relevant questions. The fact that the woman at the well 
was sitting there. He, did, he asked her, will you give me a drink? He did not say, what did you have for lunch today? He didn't say, man, it's a scorcher. It's really hot here today. Had she answered those questions, had he asked those questions, had he asked those questions, the outcome of the story might have been a bit different. When we make conversations with people who don't know Jesus, it's also important to ask the right questions, ask relevant questions, and speak English. Now, I don't mean speak English as in the language. I just mean just speak normally. Talk everyday language to people. Have you ever been asked the question, you know, because here's the thing about sometimes as Christians, we become, as believers, we become too Christianese in the way we talk, right? Is anyone, is it just me? I'm the only Christianese here. When somebody asks you, how are you? And our, our response is, thou is good, <laughs> right? Thou is good. Who even knows that archaic language? Or they reply, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, right? Now, if you say that, that's okay, right? But from an unbeliever, from somebody who doesn't know Jesus, somebody who has no idea about God, you might just come across just a little bit strange, it's important to ask the right questions. It's important to ask relevant questions and to speak everyday language. And as we do this, people begin to trust us and we begin to build a relationship with them. When our conversations are seasoned with love, when they're seasoned with wisdom and grace, that's when people that we care about begin to take down their walls. And for many of us, it might take more than one conversation. It might take many conversations. It may take a lot of questions it may take a lot of good listening skills before somebody comes to Christ, but we know that we're doing our part to see the gospel go outside the four walls. You see, Jesus' encounter, Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman is said to be Jesus' longest recorded conversation in the Bible. And yet through this conversation, her life was transformed. So Jesus was commissioned to reach the lost. He showed compassion. He makes conversation, and lastly, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When we make conversation, it is not our job to condemn or to pass judgment on people. Jesus didn't go, oh, five husbands, oh my goodness. He didn't pass judgment on her. He loved her. His compassion was towards her. Our conversation should cause people to ask, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? Why, what's the difference? What's, what's different about you? When we step out in faith and obedience, the Holy Spirit will help us do His will. Even if we find it uncomfortable and scary, God gives us His power as we connect with His heart. And we, as we do that, we trust that the Holy Spirit is working on their lives. John 4.15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, the well is the place where you draw water from. And it's also the place where a young woman found living water and her life was changed because she had a conversation with Jesus. So if you can remember the four C's, it is commissioned, Jesus had compassion, Jesus makes conversation, and finally the Holy Spirit brings conviction. So if we think about the way Jesus had his example, how, 
How do we as Christians make conversations in our world today, every day? And I've just got a few suggestions before we wrap up. It begins, one, with praying for the lost. We need to pray for the lost. What is prayer? Prayer is a conversation between you and God. Asking God to break our heart for what breaks his. And I heard this quote, you can't lead something you don't love. You can't lead something you don't love. We can't lead people to Jesus if we don't love people. God has called us to go into the world to make disciples, and we need God's help to reach our family and our friends. John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything we do as believers is is God-breathed and is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we pray those prayers, don't say, man, God, give me a heart for the lost. Say, man, God, be specific and ask, God, would you save my mom? God, would you save my dad? Would you save my, my son? Would you save my best friend? God, my work colleague, my boss. Be specific when you're asking God to change your heart and to give you an opportunity. So one, we wanna pray for the lost. Two, we wanna go to the well. See, the well is a place where thirsty people are at and thirsty people who are wanting a drink of water. In the ordinary everyday, Jesus encountered people on his, on his travels, and he was always amongst the lost and the broken. And sometimes our well is somewhere that is ordinary and everyday. And sometimes we think God's not going to turn up. See, our well could be a place where it's a little bit uncomfortable for us to share our faith. Or it might not be suitable, or it's outside of our comfort zones. For a lot of us, maybe your well this morning is at your office. Oh no, you mean I've got to take the gospel to my, maybe, maybe your well is at the gym. Our young people here are gym bunnies. Maybe your well in terms of sharing the gospel is at the gym. Maybe your well is in your sports team. Maybe your well is in your family and your friends. See, the well is found outside the four walls of the church. Jesus sat down at the well and he encountered thirsty people and he was ready and expectant. For me, not long ago, I found my well at the BP, where you get petrol, you know, BP across the road. And so I was going there with a friend to get a coffee and we were standing there and uh, I was muttering, man, this place, as I was waiting for my coffee, man, this place is busy. And this man across the table who was waiting for his girl, just hanging around, he was like, yeah, this place is really busy. Is, Is this normal? And in my head, I was just like, just want my coffee. I don't, I don't really want to talk. And I was just like, but I knew the Holy Spirit was talking. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this place gets really busy. And he's like, are oh, you a local? And I was like, yeah, I'm a local. I'm actually from, from across the road from Church Unlimited. Um, and then as we got talking, I found out that he was over here on this side of town. He was from deep south somewhere. And he was here for training. His son was actually a New Zealand under-20s figure skater. And his goal was to get to the next Winter Olympics. And I was like, figure skating? I know figure skating. And I began to talk about figure skating with him and name-dropping some some elite athletes. And he's like, oh, you do know. You do know about figure skating. And as I asked questions and relevant, I found out that obviously they're not Christian. And I said, look, I'm a youth pastor. I hang around with young people all the time, and I would love to pray for you and your son. 
And he said, man, I would take any help that we could get. And we bowed our heads in the middle of a busy BP with people coming in and out, and we prayed. See, Luke 14, 23 says, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in so that my house will be filled. Friends, where's your well? You might be surprised at where God will take you in the most unlikely places. So one, we pray for the lost. Two, we go to the well. Three, I wanna encourage you to do something different in reaching the lost. Maybe you just need to start praying. Maybe you just need to um, start asking the right questions. Maybe you need to change what your conversations are about and dare to believe when somebody asks you, what did you do this weekend? To be able to say, actually, I went to church and I heard a message about making conversation and they asked me to do something different. And then you just wait for them because it's gonna be awkward when they go, and so what are you doing different? And then you're like, man, I'm glad you asked. And then you have a conversation, right? Do something different. And lastly, as you make conversations, share your story. In John 4.39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. We trust that as God leads us to share our story, that he is gonna work on their, in their hearts. As we tell our story of how we met Jesus and what he did for us, we're believing that they are gonna open their hearts to God's love. So as we finish and as we land, Jesus says, Jesus shows us that taking the gospel outside the four walls is a conversation with the lost and broken. It's about compassion and kindness that will open up their heart. In our conversations, we need to ask the right questions, relevant questions, and use everyday language. We trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives, convicting them and stirring their hearts for truth. Church, let's us, let us be found praying for our lost, unsaved family and friends, believing that God will turn up at our well with power wherever we may go, and that as we share our story of salvation with them, they will come to know Christ. Amen. Let's just bow our heads.